Well, hey there, you fabulous interior design professional. I'm so glad you're here. This is Business of Design. I'm Kimberly Selden, advocate and chief here at Business of Design and a working professional like you. So let's get right into it. We have a show today that's turning into a throwdown. Yes, Brooke Atkin is a beautiful, wonderful soul interior designer from Sydney, Australia, and she's also an architect. And during this conversation, we're going to hear where Brooke feels business of design may not be able to help her as an architect. And spoiler alert, I think we really are going to change Brooke's mind on this because I don't see, based on the conversation we had, that there's any reason she can't fully embrace business of design exactly as it's prescribed. Now, you're going to hear a lot of resistance to that idea. For example, Brooke feels she must have two separate contracts, one for her interior design work and one for architecture. And I'm going to push back on that and say, no, I firmly believe she should have one contract that covers her for both. To me, that's an easy fix and should be a primary goal as she's working with a lawyer to make sure she is compliant with local and federal laws where she lives. So I can put that one aside. The second one is more challenging, at least in terms of her conviction that our methods won't work for her. You will hear her talk about the fact that as an architect, she's building the property and it might be something that has strict heritage laws or an escarpment committee, conservation area concerns, etc. And those things are a wild card sometimes when you're doing your proposal. So to give a flat fee at the beginning of the project at the consultation is challenging. And I can't argue with that. It's challenging, but it is solvable and it is doable. And because I also build homes, I know that it works. So Brooke and I are going to have this first conversation and you're going to hear where she feels that there are challenges or gaps in how her systems are currently working. And then in part two, hopefully, fingers crossed, because we haven't recorded that yet, we are going to solve some of the issues Part of this conversation will take place on a regular podcast two weeks from now. Very exciting. And part of the conversation, uh, something that we just didn't have time to deal with, has to do with the trade partner agreement and how you get preferred pricing or premium pricing out of your trades. That's going to be a members-only podcast separately. So you'll look for that in a couple weeks as well. We have to save something to thank our members. Because honestly, without you, I can't continue to do this work. And it's so satisfying. As silly as it sounds, it does feel like my life's mission to help as many interior design professionals and architects as possible. So your support matters to us. It matters to our whole team. And we thank you uh, for those of you who are members, uh, some, some of you for a very long time. Some of you have been members for a year and then you leave for a year and you come back for a year and you leave for another year and you come back again. And we totally love that. That's amazing. If you have never been a member and you love the podcast, you're really missing out because you're hearing about the outside trappings, but you're not understanding how the whole process works. And it's meant to be used all at the same time in a very specific order with very clear directions on how to do it. 
And mostly in my experience, those people who have made modifications have not improved on it. And I usually am able when I'm coaching someone to convince them to try it the way it's prescribed, and it usually works. We're going to find out in a couple weeks if Brooke is the exception. Gosh, I hope not. That would be terrible. And now we're going to find out if some dates I gave Brooke about an upcoming business of a design event in Australia are accurate or not, because Cheryl Horn is going to join us for announcements. You are in the right place. Episode 277. Yes, Architects 2. This is part one with Brooke Atkin. Hey, Cheryl. Hey, Kimberly. So I told Brooke I was coming to Sydney, Australia, March 6th and 7th for a two-day 15 steps event. Did I get it right? That's right. We just confirmed the dates, uh, March 6th and 7th, 2023, which sounds really far away, but I think it'll be here uh, before we know it. So uh, it will be hosted by Boyd Blue in Sydney and uh, we're working with one of our members there, Jody Carter, uh, to put that together as well as to do something special for our members in Australia. So we're going to be doing a, another little event for them. Details are still being confirmed. We've got time. But um, as soon as we have a few more details, we will get that up on the website. So you can at least start saving the date for that. But it'll be two days intensive, a walk through the BOD 15. And again, we're going to have members there to help, um, you know, share how the systems work specifically in Australia. You know, we have that conversation all the time about, uh, will it work for me here? You know, depending on where my location is, so we'll do it specific for them. But March 6th and 7th in Australia, uh, can't wait. And I actually have three things on my list today. And before I even get started I'm going to, you know, lead into all this with a call to action, which is that there's a next step for everybody listening, whether that's becoming a member, signing up for an event or applying for a boss, because those are going to be my three calls to action today. But, you know, we always say that about membership on its own, that it's not enough to just take the courses. Uh, you actually need to implement and do the work on your business. So whatever the next step is for you, I hope that you'll listen to these announcements and again, take Action. So coming up next week, we have our next BOD live and we're just going to be doing open coaching. So, uh, you know, we've had this request because we've had a few members uh, get in touch with very job specific questions and, uh, you know, they want uh, spot coaching with Kimberly, which is uh, what we're going to be doing next week. So if you want to participate in our next BOD live, you know, and get the opportunity to ask Kimberly and our other business of design members questions and get answers to those questions, please become a member and join us. Or if you're already a member, of course, just log into your member dashboard and click to join next week. So that's coming up Wednesday, June 15th at 1 p.m. EST. If you're not able to join, please email me your questions in advance and I will make sure I get those questions answered for you. And then you have an opportunity to sign on and listen to that recording. Uh, coming up at the end of the month on June 28th, we have a three-hour virtual seminar where Kimberly's going to walk you through how to run a flat fee project, including how to charge for flat fee projects and more specifically how to charge a profitable flat fee. 
So again, that's coming up June 28th, 4 p.m. EST. We've got a few different uh, time zones listed on our website because we're really trying to make sure as many people can join live as possible. Now we are going to make the recording available for those who can't join who want to participate in that. So full details are on the website. You do need to register. It's $6.95 for anyone to participate. If you are already a Business of Design member, you're going to save $200 on that ticket. And then last but not least, if you're a longtime member and you're ready to take that next step, we still have a couple of spots open in our next boss group. So we are, we're getting really excited about this group. It is definitely filling up. We do only have a couple of spots left and it is by application only. So uh, head to businessofdesign.com and click on boss in the main navigation, or by all means, if you've got questions, reach out to me, Cheryl at businessofdesign.com. And whatever that next step is for you, I hope you'll head to the website and take that next step. So that's it for today. Thanks so much. Amazing. And I have to say thank you so much to Business of Design member and Business of Design boss member, Jody Carter, who is orchestrating the entire event. It takes a village and certainly the Business of Design community is the best village you could ever have. I'm very, very grateful. Now, let me tell you a little bit about our guest. Brooke Atkin is both a registered architect and interior designer, and her firm is based on the combination of both those practices to create seamless designs from the external in and the internal out. Her award-winning practice, widely published across the world, currently consists of eight female architects and designers working both in Australia and California. She's recently launched a homewares company, Rill and Stone with her first luxury rug collection collaboration. And that's with SAR Carpets International. I hope I'm saying that correctly. You really should follow Brooke Atkin. She can be reached on Instagram at Brooke Atkin Design and also at Rill and Stone, R I L L and Stone, S T O N E. All that information is in the show notes, though. Just enjoy the show. And thank you so much for tuning in. We appreciate it. Welcome to the Business of Design podcast with Kimberly Selden. Business of Design is the world's best business training for interior design professionals like you. We have the systems, strategies, and protocols you need to consistently satisfy clients, increase profitability, and run your projects like a boss. Unlike traditional coaching, BOD is a fast track to immediate results. Don't try to do this alone. Join today and you'll have access to hundreds of targeted training modules, plus member perks like BOD Live events, member-only podcasts, preferred pricing, and the support of an engaged community of peers. We all know design matters. At Business of Design, we think designers matter too. Brooke, here we are on, you know, very far apart from each other. It's, you know, 7.30 in the morning and it's, what, 9.30 at night for you? Yep. Hi, hi. I'm very excited to be talking to you because it's been a Cheryl's been chasing me for a very long time, mea culpa, so a bit embarrassed about that, but um, yep. Yes. Hi. How are you? Hi. Hi. I'm very excited to be talking to you because it's been, a, Cheryl's been chasing me for a very long time, mea culpa, so a bit embarrassed about that. Well, okay. Well, explain. Why has Cheryl been chasing you? What do I need oh, to know? Okay. Because I said that I would come on the podcast maybe a year ago and then just every time Cheryl said, you're coming on the podcast, right? I'd go, 
Uh, yeah, in maybe, I don't know, two months from now, overwhelm. I, I was listening to um, your podcast with Desi Creswell this afternoon as I was driving back from the office going, yep, overwhelm. That's me entirely. On okay, so, so it wasn't that you were afraid to be on the podcast. It's just making time for it. Oh, well, thank you. And I hope you didn't have to prepare. The one thing about being on this podcast is there's usually no reason to prepare. It's usually something that's happening authentically in your life that's really easy to talk about. Yeah, well, I think um, it's actually really easy to talk about what BOD does for me as an architect. And I'm constantly, you know, spruiking BOD to every architect that I can talk to. Um, uh, but yeah, no, I uh, I think that um, it's very easy to to talk. Um, and I was going to talk about because I, I don't think you've ever had somebody on the podcast that is an architect that um, is also an interior designer. I, I think I might be the first one. So, but I wanted to talk about how BOD has changed how how my practice and how my team runs um, and um, how fantastic it is for me, but also how I can't actually use the 15 steps in the way that you use the 15 steps because of, you know, I've got an Architects Act and um, a moral code of conduct that I have to um, work towards. And <laughs> Okay, so there's a lot to unpack. For, for those designers listening, we're not suggesting that there's no moral conduct act for us to follow, but <laughs> architects do have a special agreement that they make. But I want to start That's at the right. beginning. You're an architect. Primarily, you were an architect, and then you added the interior design wing. Is that right? Um, I am always an architect, but um, I started my career um, in a company that um, I, it was a, it was, it's a very well-known um, architectural um, company in, in Australia, <clears throat> works on the Sydney Opera House, for instance, and um, I wanted to work there because it did amazing institutional work. So I was doing, I was the project architect for the Melbourne Museum, for instance, so um, there was amazing things that you could be doing in in that um, that was interiors based, but still architectural. Um, and then I went to work for um, a very well known woman in um, London, Anushka Hempel, and she's an interior designer. Yeah, and yeah, um, absolutely. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So most of the the team at the time were architects. Um, because she just wants to do absolutely everything. She's still amazing. She still works to this day. She still runs a team. Um, so I really learnt the, the ins and outs of how to be an interior designer with her. And that's what I always wanted to do. I wanted to be able to do it all, you know, the, <laughs> the residential build down to choosing the spoons and the cushions. Right. Pillows, sorry, pillows. <laughs> no, yeah, that's amazing. I mean, that's what I want too. And I always say I'm a frustrated architect. I, I, uh, I take it as far as I can, and then I, you know, hire an architect when I where my gaps are, uh, which are many. But uh, um, of course, so then you have control over the whole project. But at least you were able to see and work with the best of the best. That's amazing. So how did you find yourself then, having been at the best, really, literally, the some of the best firms in the world? How did you find yourself? looking for business of design and how did business of design come into play? 
Yes, exactly. <laughs> so um, I, I have succeeded in life despite myself and um, <laughs> through sweat equity. So um, I, I think that, um, you know, my father was a doctor, my mother was a pharmacist um, and, you know, that we were a medico-leaning family um, and what I felt found from my father was if you work hard, you get paid well as a doctor, but terrible businessman, terrible businessman, but money always rolled in. Um, and so, you know, that I never had an understanding of business and, and never knew how to run a business. And you certainly don't get to learn how to run a business when you're working for the greats of the greats because they, you know, they're not telling you how they're, they're, they're telling you how to run their business in terms of the design, but not the back back end. Um, so, you know, I think also um, architecture, well, I think it's across the world, architecture um, previously, certainly in my era, the education system was just terrible. We, we were doing all-nighters. We did 27 all-nighters in the last year alone. And then you go on from being, you know, this committed architect. If you can't get through your all-nighters, then you're not as good an architect as the person next to you. So, you know, um, I think we all in, in our um, architecture school went on to work at, at these amazing companies, but they had our number. They knew exactly that we'd, we'd come out of architecture school going, you know, we're going to work till we drop because it's all about the good design. And we did. We I kept on doing all-nighters all the way through my both of those. Um, so was that kind of a point of pride? I'm trying to think why on earth would a, would a, would a business uh, like architecture or design need to do an all-nighter? It's not like, a, you know, emergency room shifts where you have to be alert. Why on earth was an yes, all-nighter yes. important? Well, I, I think it's still, it's, I mean, Gen, Gen Zers have sort of shut that down. Oh, yeah, they're not having it. Down, <laughs> they're not having it. But, you know. They don't even want to work five days a week. <laughs> That's right, exactly. We were the brainwashed child labor as, as Gen right. Xs. Yeah. yeah, and, you know, that's just what we expected to do, to to be a part of that beautiful, amazing build that you were going to be doing. You know, we, we certainly drank the Kool-Aid, that's for sure. So, um, yeah, I, I also knew how to build as an architect because you get trained to do that. As you're registering to become an architect, you get trained to do that. But I never knew how to build as an interior designer. What? How, how is it different? Uh, it is very different. Um, I actually have found out now since I've been part of BOD that actually interior designers, certainly in, in Australia, earn a lot more per hour than architects do. Yep. Yeah, we've found that from every architect yeah. who's ever joined Business of Design. Funny enough, though, I really truly believed it was the other way around. I had a big resentment about architects because every time we came on a job after the architect was there, the clients were broke. And I'm like, oh, my God, the architects take all the money and there's nothing left for us. But it, that isn't true at all. No. No. What's sending the clients broke is the builder, not the Yeah, not the labor. Labor yeah, is very labor. expensive. Yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah, I was doing stupid things like never charging for collating um, furniture, furniture, creations you know the the composition of furniture I had been charging for the architecture part but then when it came to the furniture 
I was charging a, a margin, but that was a, that was it. There was nothing else. So you know, I and until I'm, I well, actually, the wheels fell off about eight years ago, and that's when I went. What am I doing? I was actually getting paid uh, so much less than I was paying my my staff, and right. thinking uh, that this is it. I just can't. I can't go on like this. You're lucky so, the wheels fell off the bus because. You know, for so many of us, and certainly myself included, I was just trotting along, earning thirty thousand dollars a year, and paying my staff, right. you know, seventy five, and thinking I was doing yeah. great. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <That's right. laughs> well, I, you know, I actually thought, how are other people doing this? I cannot understand that. I, I mean, why am I working seven days a week to pay my staff? And then I've got nothing left at the end. There's obviously I'm doing something wrong. So then I started listening to before I I really was about to shut up shop. And I started my career, I started my business in 2004, which was the year that you brought out your first book. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, officially business of design launched in 2004. Right. Had I read that book at that time. (laughs) We would not be having this conversation now, but <laughs> 10 years, it took 10 years for me to yeah. find you. And um, yeah, I definitely had a, a, a long period of hell in between. Oh, and then actually, when I did actually make money for one year, I was building a house at the same time. So I never got the tax memo and realized far too late that, you know, I'd made all this money, but I'd put it into the house and and all of a sudden I had this huge tax problem because, you know, I've just never run a business. So, again, you just never, they they should be doing something in, in the education of architects and interior designers about how to, to, to run businesses, but they don't. Yeah, they don't because the people who teach the classes never had a successful business, right? We, That's exactly right. Every teacher was like, yeah, I did it for a while and then I decided I would teach. Well, you decided you would teach because it's so hard and you didn't know what you were doing, so... Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Wow. So, wow. So I found you through. Um, I thought, okay, I'm I'm going to at least try something different. I'll start listening to podcasts, and then I found two American um, architectural podcasts that were run by men, and through one of those, you were on. And I, at the time, was listening to these podcasts, and they were very male centric, and I just didn't gel. I, it, it just, you know, I, I forced myself to listen to them because um, what else was I going to do other than fold the company? So um, I thought, you know, I'm going to keep on going. But then when I heard you speak, and I think you were talking about at the time how you were um, had putting the children to bed and then you were working until 12 o'clock at night and I thought, she's got my number. Right. Yeah. You were t- <laughs> the guys weren't doing that. <laughs> you you weren't doing that? Or? No, I, I don't think the guys were doing that. I know oh, the architecture the talking about. That. They just, yeah, I didn't, I didn't connect either. I'm like, I think we're doing different things. I don't know. Totally. Yeah. And I, I think that's something to do with you as well, that, um, and, and the, the business of design that you have made, um, 
and I'm not saying that it's not great for men because absolutely it is, but it just struck a chord that, you know, there was no female voice out there. I'd actually been looking for a female architect to, to listen to and I could not find that. But then when I found you, it was like, oh, my God, just all of a sudden it was like you were, all of the issues that I'd had, you were going, well, you shouldn't be doing this and you shouldn't be doing that. And I'm, yep that I do this so do that yep okay sweat equity definitely that was my favorite um, term yeah so what so what happened where are things at now uh so much better I mean I have had the uh week from hell and you know there are always these weeks from hell but um I now run a team that has you as their their coach you know it's sort of you are part of our uh, our team. We actually do the business and designs. We did it six years ago, and then I've got a new um, more team, um, and we're doing it again. Or we've actually got into we've got up to the fourteenth step. Um, so you know we're we actually do it together as a team every Wednesday morning, and we're able to talk about the pros and cons of each of the steps and and um and how it relates to us so i think it's it's been so 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 good so i actually have um a list of things that have been really good for us and a list of things that we can't do which might be good for architects that are listening yeah i would i mean i would lo- I would love it yeah let's try to see if we can solve some of the things that can't be done Okay, shall I start with the things that can't be done? Sure. Um, well, give us a couple of positive things so I'm not completely deflated. Okay. So right. what what works? Fantastic. All right. So uh, we, we think that, um, well, clarity and transparency, I think that that's just one of the things that was so important that I just was never clear and transparent with my clients. Not in terms of fees. I was always too transparent with my fees. Well, not too transparent, but you know, very transparent with my fees. But, um, I, you know, you always are saying just rip that Band-Aid off and tell the client if there's something problematic going on. And we used to skirt around issues constantly, but no, now we just tell the client there is stuff going on. So that's fantastic. And I also think that your your contract, as much as I can't use it fully, um, it's just brilliant that it is very clear and it isn't full of jargon. Whereas the standard architectural contracts, there are two that I can use for the client architect agreement. It's full of jargon. And um, I, I I just felt it just so easy to understand what your client, what, what your client design contract was about. Um, and also, you know, the fact that you're saying things are going to go wrong and you know, you you need to be prepared for this as a client. Mm-hmm. Um, this, we we're all um, humans, and we're we've all got supply chain issues and trades issues, etc. So, you know, just preparing them for that is fantastic. And so, the the managing the client expectations thing that you're constantly talking about. Well, I fall short on that all the time, but I hear you every week saying manage your client expectations, and yeah. and that's just brilliant. I'm going to keep on listening to those videos till it gets into my thick skull that I have to manage client expectations. It's like an AA meeting. You can't just go to a meeting totally. and boom, you're sober for life, right? You, you are my IDA meeting. <laughs> I, I believe me, I'm a member too. Um, do you currently have two different contracts for architecture and design? Um, yes. Uh, well, 
Uh, Why? Not. Why can't you just yes, have yes, one? Yes, I do. Yeah, no, I have to, unfortunately. And um, I've got a lawyer looking at that at the moment. I I know I would. I do have one. Because we build houses with the contract I have from the ground up. We tear, yeah, tear them down, no. start over. Yeah, no, I have to have certain things for the um, architecture con- contract here. With Okay, interesting. Okay. Yeah, but if I'm just doing an interior decoration job I don't give them that contract because it's so filled with it's so complicated I wish you just had one contract I feel like there's a way to have one contract there's there's got to be a way there's a way oh if you saw the architecture contract you you if it's full of jargon and I was your client I would win in a court battle I would win the client yeah yeah you're you can't win that way Anyway, yeah, look, oh, we're now we're going down a rabbit. So that's another podcast yeah, Brooke and I are going to have. That is another podcast. Where, what city are you in? Are you in Sydney? Sydney. So, you know, I'm coming in March. What? <laughs> Mar- I believe, I probably have the dates wrong. Cheryl's probably going to kick me for saying this, but I think it's March 6th and 7th we're doing Business of Design to a two-day, 15-step event. So oh. um, so we have to get together somehow yeah. when, I'm, when I'm there. Okay. Well, we I will be there. <laughs> for sure do you know boyd blue yes okay we're that's where it's being held the event excellent why do you know nothing about this yet it's like literally just we're it's just in the works but i do know the dates now are march 6th and 7th so anyway we, we need to get you on one contract so we'll figure that out but talk to your lawyer there's a way to get you on yeah. one contract so okay now tell me because that's one of the gaps right there one contract that's a problem um, yep. What what are the other gaps? As an architect, I am not allowed to be a builder. And actually... No, that's happening everywhere. Yeah, right. Um, but I can't even recommend the builder. Otherwise, I'm liable for Correct. It. Uh-huh. It's happening uh, everywhere. So, oh, so difficult. I actually love the way that you are able to run your contracts with, you, you know, that you can be the builder. But You're not supposed to. It. You're not supposed to do that, actually. And I mean, I've said this a million times, I plug your ears, but it makes no sense that Mrs. Smith, your client, could go down to the Home Depot and grab someone she's never met and say, could you help me build this, you know, addition on my house? And that would be fine as long as they had a license. That's fine. But me, having been in the business since 1991, cannot bring on a trusted resource who's satisfied 100 clients. That's illegal. It makes no sense. But unfortunately, architects and interior designers, we don't have a lobby. We don't have a voice when it comes to these fights and our associations do nothing to help us. Yeah. In fact, they actively, well, the Institute of Architects actively says do not, do not recommend. Yeah, interior designs too. But, you know, make sure you buy our insurance. (laughs) Yeah, I don't get it. What what do you do for me? Nothing. (laughs) Nothing. Uh, don't get me yeah. started. Anyway, okay, so we yeah. all have that problem, so keep mm-hmm. going. Okay, so um, I I think that this is the case for all um, interior design professionals as well as architects in Sydney or Australia is that we, we don't get prefer- preferential pricing. Well, like it, our preferential pricing is actually getting um, trades to turn up and to give us pricing. That's how preferred that is. Otherwise, yeah. they don't even turn up. But getting a discount from a trade, well, A, I can't do that anyway, but B, even if I could, they're, they're just not doing it. 
they they never have. We are we've got such um, we are so busy in the building industry here. Um, here's hoping for a slowdown at some point, but yeah, no. Okay, I can solve. I can help you solve that problem, and that is a, a members only conversation. So we'll either book another time and we'll record it, and I can help you solve that problem, or it's something we could do together in Australia. We can just like we can solve that problem. Sounds very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep going. I want to hear more. All right. Deposits. I am only allowed to take 10% of the architectural services um, fee as a deposit, and I cannot keep it to the end either. It is a deposit, and it needs to be um, as soon as you start charging more services, that deposit's gone. Interesting. Okay. So that's something I would talk to my lawyer about and see what the workaround is, because maybe the architectural fee can't be kept, but maybe a consultation, client consultation fee could be kept. We can call it something different and work around it. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. There's usually a loophole for something like that. It's an, it's an, I, we just had a, a lawyer on the show, Thomas Nation, and he was talking about yeah. the difference between being an agent and a principal and that's yeah. their workaround. There is a workaround, but unfortunately it's unique to every place that you live and you want to be compliant, but there are people who are getting around that and you just need to figure yeah, out what right. works. Okay. Well, that's one to think about. Yeah. Um, uh, I think the... The sitting on the hand scenario that you do when you present your fee to a client, um, for me, it's not working. Um, I I get clients that have such great sticker shock because I'm charging the architectural fees as well as the interior design fees that those clients that don't no, well, those clients that don't know me who have never built before don't understand that they're actually getting a really good deal because generally that merged fee is cheaper than if they'd got an architect separately to an interior designer. But, you know, if they've not built before and they've not been down this process before, I think they find it very difficult. So we're actually getting kickbacks. Well, I mean, not kickbacks, we're getting... Um, Pushback from the client. We're definitely not pushback. (laughs) So, okay. So when do you present this combined fee? Yes. Well, I cannot present it at the initial consult because I just can't. I don't know what I'm, I don't know what scope I am going to be doing for them until um, I get a better brief and I understand what, um, is, you know, I, I can't understand how much work I'm going to do in a particular council um, until I've done a bit of a feasibility. So what we normally do is give them a fee and say, let's start with the feasibility and that is, uh, that you can do, it's a fixed, it's a fixed sum and then after that we'll um, continue on if you want to. But because we don't know what um, we're going to be doing in that particular council, you know, there are so many issues associated with each each site. You might be in an area that has coastal erosion. You might, you know, there are so many things that that um, 
uh, active on that site that we don't know when we first come to it, that I can't give a price for what I'm doing until I understand what the site is. So it's it's not an easy situation to just go, yes, I understand my brief and I can tell you right now how much it's going to be and here you go. So it has to be after the initial consult. Okay. I feel like we could solve this, but it's complex. <laughs> it's, I, I feel like we could it's solve, but I do feel like we could solve it because the truth is I go through the same thing and I can do it because I have a a fixed fee. And then I have this accordion that allows me to charge for the other things outside of that fee, such as a structural engineer, mechanical engineer, all of those fees are outside whatever I quote. So one thing that would be really helpful to you is to go back, you know, maybe you've done this, but if you haven't, it's so important. I would go back five years, look at every past project and figure out how much money it cost, how much money you charged each one of those clients up to the presentation, whatever step you want to call it, where you were at in the process. But if you analyze those fees for the past five years, I bet you will find a very narrow range of how much you charged every single time. And there's your answer. Hmm. Because I found whether we're building a 5,000 square foot modern farmhouse or 8,000 square foot, um, you know, urban stone, whatever, my fees to get to step five are pretty close. An extra couple thousand feet of a house or, you know, doesn't change so much. If, if I looked at the amount of time spent on one particular project versus the other to get to step five, they are wildly different compared if I'm doing a heritage-listed building compared to a small house or a house that's in a coastal area, it, they are wildly different. I would. Could you get your hands on that information? Yeah, I've, I've tracked it for the past six years. Would you be willing to meet with me? And yes, absolutely. Okay, can we call this part one and we'll make it a cliffhanger? And part two is we're going to solve this problem because I, I know what you're saying, but if we can change the mantra from I can't, it's not possible, to I haven't figured out how to do it yet... Right? I think we well, can make a change. Okay. Ooh, this sure. is going to be a fun one. I like it. Yeah, I just think <laughs> your title is tripping you up. Like architect, doesn't matter, like whatever. We're going to solve this problem. Okay. All right. Okay. This is All fun. Right. Okay, when I'm not going to chase you for two years. We have to book the next, we have to book the next one. Oh, okay. Yes, absolutely. All right. Yes. Okay. Hang in there, everybody. Part two coming up in two weeks. Oh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Is that good? <laughs> you should have seen your face. Well, homework. Yeah. Right. Let's just get it done. People are going to demand the answers here. All right. Thank you, Brooke. Okay. That was awesome. I'll, I will you. talk to you offline and then we'll record part two and, uh, and everybody's going to be on pins and needles waiting to see what's going on. Okay. <laughs>
Thank you for being part of the Business of Design community and supporting BOD's mission to improve the industry one design business at a time. It's time for you to take the next step and join Business of Design. Like thousands of design professionals in 50 countries around the world, you'll find the systems, strategies, and protocols you need to dramatically improve your business and transform your life. What are you waiting for? Start today.